Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, years ago when I was a doctoral student in Paris, I was attending a seminar by the man who would eventually become my thesis director, a great Jesuit priest called Michel Corbin. Uh, He's one of the great scholars of St. Anselm in France, also St. Thomas Aquinas. Well, somehow the issue of imperialism came up in our seminar conversation, probably a critique of imperialistic tendencies within Christianity. I don't really remember what got the conversation going, but I do remember that Corbin's eyes kind of widened. And with a smile, he said, the only legitimate imperialism within the church is the imperialism of the martyrs. I'll tell you, that line has stayed with me all these years. And it came to mind as I read the passage from the book of Revelation, and we're we're reading through it now all during the Easter season, that the church gives us for this fourth Sunday of Easter. I've been arguing, as you know, the last couple of weeks that the book of Revelation is an unveiling of a new state of affairs. The new things that are on offer in light of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It's no longer the case, now to put it in that first century context, no longer the case that Roman power is absolute. Now we know that the power of the one who raised Jesus from the dead is absolute. Though it looks as though worldly power holds sway. Now, again, this is true from Roman times to our time, right? There's always some version of Roman power, worldly power. Though it looks as though that worldly power holds sway, real power belongs to the army of those who have chosen to follow the crucified and risen Savior. That's the real army. Now, now link it, if you want, to St. Luke's Gospel in the Christmas story, when we have the Roman army implied, and then the army of angels that accompanies the newborn Christ. See, that's the biblical vision. That's the New Testament, very edgy vision. Now, go back to the first century when John was writing. When they were on the march, Rome's armies must have seemed formidable indeed. Imagine now, for a first century person, rank upon rank of armored soldiers equipped with the cutting-edge military technology of that time, disciplined, well-supplied, organized, lethal. You can easily see, can't you, why Rome came to dominate the world, and and for several centuries. You know, in the time of Jesus, Rome still had several good centuries of, of world domination in it. You know, our country's been around for, you know, what, 220-some years or something. Well, think of that and many centuries more that Rome had this uh, hegemony in the world. Moreover, the first Christians, very much including the author of the book of Revelation and the audience to whom he writes, 
were being actively persecuted by the Roman authorities, backed up by that military power. Just think of the fates of Peter and Paul. Well, in many ways, the book of Revelation is a letter of encouragement to discouraged churches, communities feeling the brunt of real persecution. Now, I think it makes it pretty relevant to our time, doesn't it? As I record these words, we just had the terrible attacks on Catholics in Sri Lanka. Christians around the world, let's face it, the most persecuted religious group in the world right now are Christians. So this dynamic that that uh, John is addressing in Revelation, it's very much alive today. So John is given a vision in our reading for today, and we find it described in chapter 7 of the book. So we've been now leaping from 1 to 5 to 7. An angel speaks of those who are marked by God with a seal on their foreheads. Now, something wasn't on the forehead, but something like the tattoo that Roman soldiers would have received, right? When When a man entered the Roman army, he took his sacred oath, and then he was branded with this tattoo, right? That he was now a member of the army. Well, John kind of deliciously sees, imagines uh, these these um, new soldiers marked by God with a seal. How many are there? 144,000. Now, how come? Well, that's 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. Okay, keep going. Once he's seen this massive army, his eyes look up and he sees something even more magnificent. Listen. There was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. It's a great army that he sees. But those last words are really important because the white robes and the palm branches were symbols then as they are now of martyrdom. What's John seeing in this magnificent vision? But the vast army of martyrs who have in the whole course of Christian history given their lives for the sake of Christ and his gospel. Notice, and John's writing at the end of the first century in a kind of a corner of the Mediterranean. He was, you know, writing in Greek and for this Greek-speaking audience. But look how he, he imagines this. Notice they're from every culture, country, language, background. This, everybody, is the army that stands opposed to the worldly armies that do their work through violence, threats, and oppression. Now, think of the Roman army in this time, but then all up and down the centuries to the present day. Worldly armies that do their work through violence, threats, and oppression. John is seeing an alternative army. Now, keep Michel Corbin in mind. (laughs) This army of martyrs is indeed imperialistic. For its purpose is to spread the lordship of Jesus everywhere. So I'm not trying to soften that for a second. There is an imperialism. 
they witness to the power and authority of the risen Lord, and therefore they are indeed fighters. But they don't fight with the weapons of the world. They fight with the power of their witness. This is the imperialism that Michel Corbin spoke of. The only legitimate imperialism in the church is the imperialism of the martyrs. So John sees this great vision. I think we're permitted to wonder, who are some of these white-robed figures? Who are some of these men and women who strike at the very foundations of oppressive empire? Let your imagination uh, roam. One might think of St. Peter himself, crucified upside down in the circus of Nero. One might think of Felicity and Perpetua thrown to wild animals because they wouldn't deny their faith. One might think of Sebastian, member of the Praetorian Guard, who renounced violence upon accepting Christ and was put to death for his troubles. One might think of Thomas a Becket, who resisted his friend Henry II's attempts to manipulate the church and died at the hands of the king's henchmen as a result. Or we might think of another English Thomas, Thomas More, who several centuries after Thomas a Becket resisted still another King Henry and paid for it with his head. One might think of Paul Miki, the Japanese Jesuit, who, like his master, was crucified for announcing the Christian faith. One might think of Padre Pro, who was shot to death by a firing squad for defying a repressive Mexican government, shouting as he was shot, Viva el Cristo Rey. See, that's getting close to what John is seeing here in this vision. It's not the army of Rome, the worldly army. It's the army of martyrs that prevails. One might think of Franz Jägerstetter, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, whom the Nazi regime put to death. One might think of Maximilian Kolbe, that great martyr of charity who died at Auschwitz, willingly taking the place of another man. And the list goes on and on. And now consider again the words of our text for today, a book, mind you, written 2,000 years ago as the church was in its infancy. A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. And indeed, the martyrs have come from all corners of the world. They've spoken Greek, Latin, French, German, English, Japanese, Polish, all the languages of the world. And friends, this strangely is the army that up and down the centuries undermines the foundations of the fallen world. This is the great 
fighting force that Jesus has unleashed and continues to unleash. This is the imperialism of the martyrs that still has its extraordinary power and range. See how beautiful everybody is week after week we, we march through this great text of apocalypsis of revelation. We see different aspects of the novelty of Christ being revealed. Last week it was the revelation of right praise the right praise of heaven that's mirrored on earth. This week, what's disclosed to us is this great army of witnesses. But despite all indications of the contrary, is in fact the imperial victor. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.